Getting ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name is Fergus. I am your host. I'm joined by my three good muckers, my mates, my sidekicks, uh, my confidence, my biggest pains in the arses that I know, to be honest. Um, no, no, no. I'm on the water. On the water. <laughs> uh, actually, I've been very, very good uh, since uh, Seville. Uh, well, yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um Alex, you're back in back in the land of Viking. I won't say the other word. You know the word. I know the word. Yeah, got back yesterday. Um, I'm, I've I've been over for for the game Wednesday. Um, watched that game with my granddad. Um, the Seville game, and then we went down to Seaford where they live, and we celebrated his 80th birthday over the weekend. So, um, yeah, got back late yesterday. So a bit tired today, uh, but looking forward to talking Arsenal. Um, Dan, you have uh, you've been represented in uh, Block Five on on Saturday. I wasn't there, unfortunately, and I had to leave early on on Wednesday. But uh, yeah, good to see you again, mate. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. I've had a I've had a tired one, so it's uh, been off off the drink for the last couple of games. But before we start, Ferg, are you? What's the reason you're telling people why you didn't go to the game? Is it because you wasn't well, or are you going to tell them the real reason, like you told me? What was the real reason I told you? Uh, no, the, 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 there was an upside. I wasn't well. I wasn't well, but there was an upside. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, yeah, there but, was an upside, wasn't there, folks? There, there was an upside. Yeah. No, no, not the upside that you went into it. But you had me. You had me in stupid. You kid. Um, <laughs> you're right there, folks. <laughs> Trev, uh, you're in the new man cave. You've got your red foot on. Uh, there's going to be additions to the Ruth Beckwing on on the wall soon. Uh, how is it, mate? Yeah, it's right. It's a bit bare at the minute, Ferg. I'm I'm sat here. I'm in. I've got my desk set up. I've got all my books in here. My memorabilia is laying about in boxes everywhere. So hopefully next week we will. Um, I'll have a bit of, be a bit of better surroundings. Hopefully have some curtains up the windows. It, it, Dan, I'm so proud of you for thinking of of uh, putting that music first. We were going to play the pay our respects during the program, but it was Dan's idea to to pay our respects before before the show and, and and it's got me off to a really good start tonight but you know the fact of the matter is we respect the people that have died in wars you know um that have passed no nothing else no nothing political nothing religious just poor people are killed for no reason in wars and we we i think we should respect them and we did it well there um i've got no notebook ferg dan Alex, I've got no notebook. I've got no notes. I can't find anything. I can't find me lighting. That's why I'm a bit dark tonight. So I'm actually just, just going on what comes out tonight. So God help you, anything could happen. That's what you usually, usually do, isn't it, Trev? <laughs> well, Trev, Trev, we asked for the title to be called Consistency, and you're just winging it. So that is that is consistent. And Trevor sent me a text. He said, uh, he said, I want to, I want to, uh, my opening line, I want to talk about consistency. I said, that's fine. You can talk about consistency, but don't cover the whole podcast in three minutes and 34 right. seconds I'm like sorry, we did I'm last sorry. week. Greg, I'm sorry. Look, we've had two great wins, great games of football. The referees have been crap. VAR's been crap. 
Good night. See you next time on Guns and Yellow River. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, we're going to look at the, first and foremost, we're going to look at the Seville game. We're going to briefly look at that one because it, it is nearly a week away. Um, I had to leave early because uh, I wasn't well. I had some sort of kidney thing uh, and I had to miss out on the Burnley game, which we will talk about it in a bit more depth. Plus, we're going to talk uh, a bit more about the consistency side of things. In particular, um, uh, we'll hark back to Newcastle. Uh, we'll look at the Burnley game and we can even... Uh, cross-reference the Chelsea-Man City game um, that was uh, played uh, at the weekend to show just just, just the failings of, of our officiating and the failings of, of VAR. and It's just crap, really, isn't it? It's just crap. Uh, the, the, the topic that Dan was talking about, the Burnley game, so, yeah, I wasn't well. And I, I, I rang um, Dan and said, look, I'm not, I'm not going, mate. Um, you, you, you'll be fine in my seat and everything else. And James was down there with them. And I said, uh, guess what? I said, um, so the wife's out, Prosecco, Prosecco day, uh, out with her friends. So I'm going to watch the Tottenham game in the morning. I'm going to watch the Arsenal game in, in the afternoon. And then I'm going to watch the Newcastle uh, Bournemouth game, uh, which did uh, pan out that way. Um, then she brought a, a mate home uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> dad behaved. Um, <laughs> did you hit folk? Did you hit all right now? <laughs> And uh, I left them to it, and I ended up watching Graham Norton Whoa. on catch up and, and, and match of the day. So it was absolutely a wonderful day of football and entertainment for myself. Yeah, it was absolutely that's, brilliant. That's not quite the truth, is it, Bert? But I'll, I'll let you get. I can see you blushing, so I'll let you get away with this one. But um, I'm well, starting to question. I'm starting to question the Seville <laughs> game, mate. I feel like you might have had a cheeky little text off the missus saying, "Come home quick," and that's why he absolutely darted out the. Uh, <laughs> My, I didn't dart anywhere. I didn't dart anywhere. It took me ten minutes to get back to my car. I've never wa- I walked like a. I walked slower than Trev. That's saying something. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. VAR. We'll have a little check. Okay. Let, let's look at the um, the uh, Seville lineup. So we're um, we're talking about no Jesus and no Odegaard again. Um, so we had Raya back in goal. Uh, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Tommy Asu. Uh, Rice, Jorginho Havertz, Saka, Martinelli, and Trossard uh, in the uh, uh, up top. Um, Alex, what did you make of, of the overall performance? Um, for me, I thought it was another good performance from uh, not a perfect performance, but a, a, a very good performance from Kai Havertz. And uh, I, I didn't mind that midfield trio with Jorginho, Rice, and Havertz. It seems to it seems to be clicking a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, I thought it was a very, very, very good performance um, against the Seville side that didn't look good, but I'd say we also um, made them look worse than than they are. Um, they didn't have a shot on target until uh, in the very last seconds of the game. Um, and we could have easily scored more uh, and probably should have scored more than the two goals we did. Um, I thought the two goals that we did score was uh, absolutely superb, especially the first one was a beautiful play. Uh, it's just something he's got in his locker, Jorginho, those passes that absolutely split defences apart um, the way he, he did it um, with his pass to Saka. And then he um, cut it through to Jorginho, um, who was there at the right time um, to uh, get the ball in the net. And um, yeah, I mean, that game was brilliant for, for Trossard to build up some confidence, which is what we need when we've got these injuries um, with Jesus and also Odegaard. Um, luckily, it seems like he's um, just had a concussion and it's not 
anything serious, um, his injury. So apparently he had a concussion in, in training before the Seville game. That's why I missed these two games now, but he should be back after the international break. Is he going to miss a trip, uh, trip for Norway or not? Yeah, he's not going uh, with Norway. So he'll stay oh, home good. at Arsenal. Good, good. Dan, uh, what did you make of um, the first goal? I know Alex had type, uh, type talked uh, about it briefly. Uh, I'm just going to put it up on here. So we'll have a brief, there's no sound right now. That's, we'll have a brief look at it and you can yeah. talk us through it and what you thought. Because I know, I know exactly what Alex said a few minutes ago. As soon as that goal was scored, you went, that came from Jorginho. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, watching it in the stadium, the the through ball from Jorginho was fantastic, and it's 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 always the sort of pre assist that I think sets up sets up the um the team when they're attacking. But that that game, I, I did think Sevilla were a lot more sort of poorer than I expected um, from a team of their quality. But I thought we we absolutely cruised through that game, if I'm if I'm honest. And um, that came from our wide men. I think Martinelli had a fantastic game as well. We just looked dangerous for the whole ninety minutes. He, he looked dangerous as well at the weekend as well, Martinelli, and looks like he's sort of ready to step up again to, to where he was last year. But um, we're, we're dangerous when Saka and Martinelli play well. If they play well, we play well. And it's quite simple, really. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, Trevor, second goal, if we if we look at the second goal, um, Saka, uh, who put in the, um, the assist to Trossard, I know it came from from um, Jorginho originally, uh, he turns um, goal, ma- uh, goal maker rather than, um, a goal taker rather than goal maker on the 64th minute. It comes from um, a throw in by Zinchenko, uh, it goes to Martinelli, who, as Dan just said, had an outstanding game. And then Saka scores this wonderful goal. I'll put it up on the screen again. Ferg, don't play the video for a second, right? Okay. Because something urgent has just come up. I feel the need to explain this comment from James. <laughs> it's a bit worrying. When James says beside him, he means like standing beside him in the Emirates, nothing more. You know what I mean? Sorry, James, I've just had to get that straight, mate, you know. Right, go on, Ferg. <laughs> yeah, so I did, yeah, I've just, yeah, I'm lost now without all that. Um, yeah, so um, talk us through the second goal then, so that Saka scores. It's it's becoming a, a oh, it's becoming a typical sack of trademark, isn't it? it? There's no panic here. He knows right now. He knows what he's going to do. Waits for the for the defender to get close to him, and then just comes behind him and slots it in the neck. It's it's what Saka's just started to get known for doing, and and we desperately need him to stay fit all season. Of all the players that we don't want to lose, Saka's the one because Saka's been scoring goals consistently. And he's capable of doing that every game now. His confidence is that high. It's interesting. I looked at uh, Trossard's goal. I, do you know what? Last couple of games, I know Seville weren't that good. And, and you could say, in inverted commas, it was only Burnley. But I thought Burnley put up a good battle. Trossard, for me, looks lovely through the middle. I enjoy watching him play through the middle. I just I can't put my finger on what it is. But I just like watching him play through the middle. And he's got some bottle about him as well. And... Just, I heard a, a, a little statistic the other day that I think he's scored seven goals this season, Trossard, and Saka has set him up for every one of them, has assisted him for every one of them. So looking at that, they must be developing some kind of understanding and Trossard through the middle and keeping Saka fit, it excites me. I think it's um, I think it's only good for the Arsenal going forward. Can I add a, just add to what you just said, Trev? Because um, I think... Trossard, he's been immense. He's been there for less than a year and um, he's played 1,670 minutes and he's been involved in 19 goals. So that's a goal every 
87 minute he's been in, involved in. So the impact he's had since he's come and for the price we paid for him as well, he's been an incredible signing. Agree. Agree. Yeah, he's... Um... I, I, I like his movement and I like his confidence. He seems to be very confident playing through that middle. And uh, I know we're going to move on to Burnley, so I'm not finishing the podcast early, Ferg, but his goal against Burnley showed just how far he's willing to go to put the ball in the net. And, and that can only be a good thing. You're still not the answer, though. You what? He's still not the answer. No, he's not the hey. answer, no. I agree. No, no, he's not. He's not a striker, but I, I think he's far more effective than some other players that we've got in in that position when he's given a run of games. Um, but, you know, I, I I couldn't see Eddie, uh, possibly even Jesus to a certain degree, uh, being as potent as him, Saka, and Martinelli. Uh, I I think Jesus does an awful lot on the on the pitch without trying to just dig out Eddie on there. But I, I don't think he's is as much of a goal threat as uh, Trossard Dan. No, Dan's right. Dan's right in what he says. But I was think, I'm looking at what we've got at the moment. What we've got in our squad at the moment, for me, on the evidence of the last couple of games and when he's played in there previously, I would choose Trossard to play through the middle. I would. I genuinely would. I, uh, think, I think I'd rather him there than Eddie, if I'm totally honest. I think his link-up plays better. His movement is better. He's a bit more intelligent in the way he drops into spaces. Um, he doesn't start over Jesus when Jesus is fit. We still need to set it forward. Um, I think he plays better as an impact sub when he comes on the, on the left. Um, but agreed, he he's done what's in front of him, which is all we can ask from him, really. But I, I just feel like if you play him in that role against a you know a Man City or a Liverpool or something like that, a big game, I don't think he has the same impact because I don't think that's his best attributes in those sort of games. He's he's there against a team that plays a lower block when he has to drag people out and move them around positions, you know, when he's got a solid centre-half, you put Ruben Diaz up against him, I don't think he does as well, in my opinion. Mm. No, I think okay. you're right. no, I think you're right. And But as I say, from what we've got, but we've got, it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because we've got, we've already discussed a couple of them, but in my mind, we've got two or three players that, that I would trust playing in the European games, in the Champions League. That I would trust playing against with the greatest respect the lesser sides in the league, you know, like Burnley, Sheffield United, Tottenham, right? I trust them. But when it comes to playing the real big sides, I think what two or three players that I think we're not quite there yet, you know. Um, and yeah, hopefully that'll change. Well, we're gonna get proved wrong because we're gonna win the league anyway. I mean, the, the only the only reason I bring that up, and it's it's not being negative, is just we have such a reactionary fan base and you know, two games later, he could have two poor games. Everyone will be on his back again. And and it, and it works both ways. I, I think don't get on his back if he doesn't have a good game, but also two games against what was a poor Seville side. And well, Rea reactionary. Oh, I lost me. Yeah, go on. But still, but still no, it's I'm... like 1,670 minutes and a goal every single game he's been involved in. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. Look, he, he has... I, I, Fully agree, he's been a fantastic signing and he's exactly what we need as a squad player that can play in different positions when we need to rest players, when we need to rotate, yeah. when there's a little yeah. niggle or an injury. He's exactly twenty million pounds. Yeah, I mean it's it's an absolute bargain, you know, in, in today's market and in, and the last sort of ten years. It's a fantastic signing. But well I, I just feel like let's let's not jump on and all of a sudden he's had two games and he's now the answer as number nine and he's solving all our problems because we know what we need up top. 
I don't know. Listen, for me, if we don't get a, a striker in January, I think um, our title challenge will take a, a, a serious dent. And even our, our battle into the Champions League, I think, will take a dent. Although I think Havertz um, seems to suit the European football far, far better than he does the Premier League. And you can see how well he looks and how well he plays uh, against, OK, yes, it was a poor Sevilla, but he, he seems to be a better player in there. And the physicality of the Premier League, it clearly didn't work at um, Chelsea. And I don't know if it's working hugely, fantastically at, at, at Arsenal in the Premier League, but he definitely has a place in the squad and a place in the European squad, especially for me. Um, Father Keating has spoken. Yeah, that was yesterday. I I, I said something very similar in our WhatsApp group uh, and Chelsea, um, I think Chelsea... Uh, it was in the in the Chelsea game, and I, I spoke about it, and it was, it was quite good. They, called, they said Father Keating had spoken. I said, "Don't don't name me after a priest. It, it's a little bit worrying for me, like you know, for the Catholic upbringing in an Irish school." Uh, uh, last uh, sort of topic to talk about on the um, on the the Seville game was Saka. Saka got injured. Uh, people were crying for him to come off early when we're two 0 up, um, and he got injured. But he got injured right close. I I didn't see it. I'd left at this point. Um, Dan, he got injured close to the centre circle, um, but was forced to walk the long way around the pitch, even though he was injured and got booked for not going off the pitch the most direct route. Uh, talk to me. Yeah, I mean the the couple of yellows that we got at the end. Of that game for apparent time wasting, I think was ridiculous. Weird. Like I, I couldn't believe it. We're sitting there watching it, and and how they as well. Yeah, I mean there was a couple, wasn't there? I think one was was it the throw in? Yeah, that was the throw in where we we just made a substitution. Two seconds later, he books in. Yeah, and you know we were saying sort of half an hour, forty minutes into the game, we, I, I said to you, Fergus. You know, I think you mentioned it how um, inconsistent they've now been with with the throw in and time wasting and. And as much mm. as Europe is slightly different to the Premier League, even the Premier League has dropped off. And just all of a sudden, it's like he had a bee in his bonnet and said, oh, Arsenal's now the time wasting the last 10 minutes if book who we can and, and make him walk the wrong way around, even though he's injured. It's, uh, it's ridiculous. It was but... one, of, one of the televised games um, at the weekend. I can't remember which game it was, but there was a player and he passed, he must have passed the ball to two different players. And it must have taken 15 or 20 seconds for them to take the the free kick I oh, sorry to, to take the throw in um and I didn't see a yellow card in sight yet again Tommy Asu got booked for the exact same thing at Palace away uh, for the first game so re- really the lack of consistency and consistency is a word that we will talk about a lot and consistency just in case anybody doesn't understand and for our Danish friend here uh, I know your, your English is probably well, better than mine in on most cases uh, someone who's consistent always behaves the same way but has um the same attitude towards people, things, or achieves the same level of output or success in something. Uh, you know, it, that's all we ask for. We are, we're asking for consistency along the way. Um, uh, Raya, first save, 96 minutes. And that was that That there sums up um, the Seville game. Top of the group, Trev. Um, we didn't qualify because PSV uh, um, won 1-0. Um, but if we get a result, we only need a point in, in theory against Lons. But I, I'd like all three, please. And then PSV becomes a party, a uh, Christmas party for everybody who's out, out, out there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I hope it was just. I, I, I'm right. You're right, folks. I just hope it's a shindig to PSV, a few beers and a bit of a laugh with the lads. Be nice. We should qualify at home against, uh, against who is it, Lons, isn't it? I can't see any yeah. reason why we shouldn't if we just played to the best of our abilities. We were the better side 
in Lons until the, the, the fans started lifting and then it seems quiet us down. So I'm not worried about that game, actually. Um, I'm, I'm more worried about when we get out of the group, I want a night with us four like we had in Madrid somewhere yeah, in the knockout yeah. stages because that was a very good night and I'm ready to do it again. So, yeah. And Mojito, Mojito Trevor will be in the house again. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what I think? I'm going to change the cocktail next time. I think we might go for something different, but I'll think about it. Ooh. I'll give it some thought. He's, he's gone porn star martini, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's your drink, isn't it, Bo, from the weekend? No, I'm, I'm old fashioned, me. I'm old fashioned. <laughs> but no, um, Seville, right. Seville, we, you, you can only play what's in front of you before, just before we put it to bed first. And we played all right against Seville. We did, we did really well. We, we didn't look in danger. And uh, we move on to the next one, mate. Yeah, the, the most important thing, though, um, with the Lons game being our next home game, by that stage, we need um, Dan drinking again because the atmosphere has been absolutely turgid for the last two games uh, in, in on the concourse and uh, in the stadium because our ginger winger um, just doesn't didn't, hasn't been drinking and he's just been standing there scowling. No flag, nothing. He let it, you know. I, I know you didn't have your DJ. I, I know you didn't have a DJ on Saturday, but you could have easily just like put your headphones in and just remembered some of them. All I'll say is all the people that were moaning had the opportunity and um, I'm very glad that they stepped up. So thanks. Thanks, guys. Prove my point. Yeah. What are you thinking, Tottenham? Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, Raya, Tommy Asu, Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko as the back uh, four. Jorginho, Rice and Havertz. Um, we had Martinelli, Saka and Trossard. Trevor, what did you make of... Um, Ben White's late absentee, because uh, we only heard about about an hour, an hour and a half before the game that he, he was going to be dropped. Yeah. I don't really know what was wrong, but, you know, was did it worry you that Tommy Asu was going to be right and Zinni was going to be left? Tommy Asu doesn't worry me wherever he plays, mate. He doesn't mm. worry me in the slightest wherever he plays. It was a bit worrying that White wasn't there, but we picked up on a grapevine that he had a bit of a knock or a bit of an injury. And so hopefully that's why, because if... If there's any other reason that Arteta isn't playing him, then I wouldn't be able to get my head around that. But I'm 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 hoping that he's just had a bit of a knock and therefore well, we'll give him a rest. Tommy Asu ain't gonna let us down, you know. Zinchenko could come in at left back and at the end of the day, with the greatest respect, we're playing Burnley, we should beat. So yeah, I didn't have any problems. I wouldn't no problems with Tommy Asu to reiterate, none at all. And Dan, well, it would be again. I told Trev it was a forced rest on Ben White, apparently. And um Apparently, he's had a little bit of a knock. Didn't look quite the same in training. And uh, apparently, Ben White doesn't really give much away and, and let people know if he's injured because he just wants to play. So, I think it was uh, more of a enforced rest to have a bit of a break against a side that we probably should beat. That's fair enough. And to be honest, I, I was just about to say, we had no Jesus. Odegaard, we know he had uh, the concussion um, uh, and no Ben White. Um, but it would be the game... Um, against Burnley, no disrespect to them, that you would rotate a little bit more uh, against those sides, especially with the amount of uh, competitions and, and uh, amount of games that we've they've had uh, of recent days. What did you make of Havertz uh, playing the top, the point man, or even Trossard? They rotated around that area, didn't they? I mean, that's his position he played in in Germany. So I, th I think he did. I think he did okay. I was surprised he came off a bit earlier in the in the Burnley game. I would have probably given him a few more minutes, but. I'm not going to get on his back. He's not. He's, I wouldn't have said he had a, a great game, but he's certainly not been the worst in our squad um, over the last few weeks. And I think it's, it's just low confidence. I think the lad and 
probably the, the less we talk about him, the better, and just let him get on with his game and, and hope that he improves. But I've got no issues with him. I think he's um, he's got talent there. It's just we, we need to bring it out of him. Yeah. Um, Alex, uh, what did you make overall of the, the first half performance? Don't go into the goal, and we we're going to talk about the Saka thing as well. But besides that, what did you make of yeah. the, the first half? Yeah, don't move on too quickly, Alex. No, I'm I'm watching you. <laughs> yeah, um, obviously I had to watch it back because I was at an 80th birthday party on Saturday. Um, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think we did well controlling the game. Um, they had a few shots off um, in, in the first half. I think they had four shots on target in the first 30 minutes. But uh, overall, we were in control of the game. Um, and it was nice to see some consistency, speaking of, um, that uh, the th front three started again uh, from from the midweek, so I think yeah, exactly. And they had they did have success um, again. Uh, so it, it's nice when when we start getting those relations going. And I think you could see um, that they built some confidence from the Seville game and took that into the Burnley game um, in the way we played. Um, Martinelli again looked very good. He had um, he had the most dribbles uh, I think since two thousand eighteen. Um, in that game against Seville uh, in a Champions League game, I think he dribbled past his, his opponent fourteen times, um, and he was he was ridiculous um, every time he got the ball. Um, and you can see he was playing with confidence as well. So um, yeah, we we just need to to sort of get that one chance and score the goal, uh, which of course came a bit later in the half. Mm. Uh, before the the, the 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 goal happened, you know the first um, Saka yeah. um, Sack had an attempt uh, which Trafford pushed over the bar, and then uh, Saka was um, the discussion. Which which Trevor, I'll, I'll I'll let you come in on this one because uh, you used this little bit of video clip uh, on Twitter, and Twitter have, uh, since sanctioned you, um, but it had eight, 87,000 uh, views before Twitter and the Premier League uh, got a bit twitchy about us showing this. Um, the, the whole theme of this, OK, we were talking about the games, but uh, the last few weeks is it's consistency. So let's have a look at this, Trev, and, and we'll talk and we'll have a little bit of a debate around this area. They are consistently shocking. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else there, Alex. You see, for, for me, right, that if that's a foul, give it as a foul if you want. I, I have no problem with a nudge in the back being given as a foul because we all know you. Only, sometimes you only need a little nudge in the back and you go, you know. So give it as a foul, no problem. But don't tell me that the one the week before wasn't a foul. If you're going to give that as a foul, then they're both fouls, you know. It's, it's that simple. And and we, we've had a new. Has anybody ever heard of this committee before that popped up last week? The Premier League prime game dispute or whatever it was. I can rephrase that. A load of bull crap committee. You know what I mean? They're actually mm -hmm. telling us that that wasn't a foul at Newcastle, but then telling us that Saka the little nudge in the back was. So I'm absolutely... It's not difficult, I know, but I'm absolutely confused about it all. I've, got, I've just had Twitter on there and Keith Hackett, who's a very respected ex-referee and, and a very respected person with his views on Twitter, is really going in hard on the other people that are saying that it, it, it this committee and the other people that are saying it it, it wasn't a foul because he's saying it was undoubtedly a foul up at Newcastle. And if you're going to give that, if you're not going to give that, you can't give it against Saka. 
it's consistency. And it's not even it's not even debatable consistency. It's not like we're saying this one's different because of that, this one's different because of that. A nudge in the back is a nudge in the back. A push in the back is a push in the back. It's quite plain. It's quite simple. It's not hard. You know, they're easy to see. And 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 yet we're getting two different decisions. And that's poor. That is so poor, it's unbelievable. And I thought that Kukurea, is it Kukurea, his name? Dan, you might know it. Kukurea, is it? Yeah, Kukurea for Chelsea yesterday. I thought he was really unlucky because Harlan's going down crying like a big seven-foot-tall baby there when, <laughs> when Kukurea is about five-foot-tall. And Harlan had been ragging his shirt all over the place just before that. You know, <laughs> so it was another inconsistency. I, I just, I'm just confused with it all confused with it all and what annoys me what's really annoying me now is that these people are coming out with these with these lines yeah it was a foul at newcastle definitely a foul at newcastle uh, no excuse me it wasn't a foul at newcastle no way was it a foul at newcastle but it was a foul against burnley yeah and they're telling us that and they're expecting us to just believe it and go away i ain't going away on it i'm going to be mentioning it every week on this podcast now because Football is football, and we're not watching football at the moment. We're watching games decided by what they decide they want to win. They're going to give a foul when they want to, and they're not going to give a foul when they don't want to. And that's what's deciding games, and that's not football. And we need, oh, we, we, we're a tiny little podcast, right? But I'm not afraid to, I'm going to, I'm going to voice it out there, and I'm, I'm going to say every week what I think of them. They're rubbish, and they're taking us for idiots, which most of the time I am, if I'm honest. But on this occasion, in this instance, I'm not an idiot. I'm, I'm I'm listening to people talking absolute crap and expecting me to swallow it, and it ain't happening. Sorry, folks, that ran over, mate. Oh, that's no, right. YouTube has started on my other ear. One second, let me stop that. Uh, Dan, talk to me on on your view of of, of um, that foul. So I've put some pictures up while. Um, while uh, Trevor was talking, we're talking about uh, hands on the back. Uh, Saka correctly got adjudged for putting his hands on the back of um, the Burnley player and subsequently was penalised and they were given a free kick. Very, very similar position as to where um, the Newcastle player put the hands on the back of uh, Gabrielle's head, which went to VAR, went to independent committees, went to... Oh, it, it went everywhere and it was still adjudged that um, it wasn't a foul. Old man's club and yeah. And and then, as we said, the, the Cucurella one, um, you've got uh, him pushing on Haaland. Talk to me, Dan. Honestly, I, I said this last week in that anywhere else on the pitch, any corner, anything they do, any little push like that is a foul, but just not given for, for our one against Newcastle. And it's, it's ridiculous. I, I don't mind. I don't mind things like that being given as a foul or not a foul. But as we said, be consistent is a, is a first step. But the the one yesterday for Chelsea and and Man City, I don't mind two players jostling for position, and you don't want to take the physicality out of the game. But just because one person lets go a split second before the other person doesn't then make it a foul one way or the other. You know, it's 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 a ridiculous penalty to be given. Um, it reminds me of the old Trafford days. Of, of the champions being given penalties at Old Trafford and everywhere they go to, to change a game. So I'm not surprised it happens um, with, with Man City, if I'm totally honest. I think it's it's cyclical and it goes it goes with the, the, the bigger team 
that's that's won championships and i think we expect it they start to get decisions and it's nothing more than referees favoring certain teams because the, 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 there's no other distinction between them and and the, the first picture you showed with Saka and and the one um at newcastle i, I can't see any difference mm-hmm. i literally can't see any difference that in fact i'd probably say the one on the left is worse oh it was and it was you're right the one on the left was far worse i didn't want to go into that because I'm trying not to get too over the top, but you're exactly right, Dan. The one on the left was far worse, mate. Yeah. The one on the left being the, being the Newcastle one, there was far more pressure put on on Gabby. I know Gabby was uh, going forward to head the ball clear off the line um, because Raya was positioning and so on. But And the one that Saka did, which was the one on the right, uh, was just a light touch of the back. Alex, uh, what's your view on this and the lack of consistency in decisions, be it, you know, um, you know, Howard Webb talked about VAR and didn't want to have these discussions about the obvious uh, mistakes and so on. I'm not going to play the video again because it's not all about VAR. It's just about all general vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a ringtone, isn't it? Uh, but, it is, yeah. But it, it, but it's it, it, this is officiating on the pitch. I know they've got a VAR to back them up and everything else. What's your thoughts on, on, on it? Yeah, I mean, I think VAR is doing exactly what Howard Webb said it wasn't supposed to do, which is intervene in um, place or situations that isn't obvious mistakes, uh, like the Kukurea Haaland one. Um, I think you could give a lot of penalties um, if you look through corners and uh, dead ball situations every game. There, there's so many tussles like that, um, which shouldn't be a penalty. And then it's just frustrating when you see um, near identical situations every weekend, which has different outcomes. Um, and yeah, I mean, us fans, we're crying out loud for more consistency and uh, better officiating because um, the standard is just so, so low at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think... It's also annoying to see in the media um, how much of a agenda they have against us because it seems like um, they all went out and defended the, the decisions after the Newcastle game. And then when you see this weekend, it's completely it's a different thing. Or in the midweek when Carragher went out and was mad about the Liverpool game. Um, so, yeah, I just can't be asked with all those... Um, media agendas against Arsenal. Um, I, I, I don't think there's a, a media agenda against Arsenal, per se, uh, Alex. I think I think it's just the media just have to... Uh, For me, it seems like Gold- there is. Well, that, that, that Mark Goldridge, Goldridge, Goldridge yeah, last Goldridge. week. Uh, yeah, he, he, he summed it up quite well in the sense that he said, you know, it sounds like they're given a script <laughs> and they're, they're, they're just told to push out the line or whatever Howard Webb and his cronies want to push out. Uh, the amount of times I watched games and you hear Gary uh, Neville or one of the commentators make a comment and then there's some apologetic pundit in the studio afterwards going, oh, he may have overreacted or he may or she or he, he. They, they may have said something that um, they haven't seen it clearly, but on reflection, now we look at it, we can see this and we can understand why. It just seems like, you know, it's taken away from the game. And I, I, it still sticks with me last week where Trevor said, I don't want to watch football anymore. And that was, that is, was pretty yeah. pretty sad to hear. I don't want to watch football anymore. You're ruining my game. It's take, taken the love out of the game as well for me. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's you could say it's good entertainment when, when we have those 4-4, four, 4-1 four, four, games, uh, 5 disallowed goals, eight red cards. Yeah, okay, but for me, it's not entertaining. Um, And sitting there waiting um, 10 minutes each game for VAR, uh, not having a clue what's going on. 
and you mm. don't know what the decision is going to be because it seems like it's a lottery every time uh, we're waiting for VAR. Um, it's yeah, for me, I agree with Trev. Like it's killing the game. It's, mm. it's, it's really interesting, Ferg. Right, if in that that we're getting a lot of comments, and the boys have even said it about you know the Arsenal, and we feel are done by, and and they've all got good points. But I had to think about it this week, and I had to think about it after listening to what that Mark Goldbridge had to say. You know, I'd never paid him any attention before, but I think it was you brought him to my notice last week, Ferg, and I had a little listen to what he had to say. And, and I'm going to approach it personally from a different view, right? I'm, I'm not going to say, when I talk about these decisions, I'm not going to say the Arsenal anymore. I'm going to say football, right? Because for me, it's gone beyond a club. This is about football, right? This is about football. I mean, we had, as Dan just rightly said, we had um, summarisers last week saying that the Tottenham-Liverpool game is a great game. Well, for me, they missed two outright certain red cards. The referee didn't keep up with the game. It was awful. But I'm not going to talk about teams anymore. I'm just going to watch the football like Chelsea yesterday. I thought Chelsea was so hard done by yesterday. You know, and I'm going to keep on working at it like that because these people... These VAR people and these incompetent officials, they're not killing Arsenal Football Club. They're not killing any football club. They're killing football. They're finishing football, you know, right? And I get emo- I did it last week and I'm getting emotional again now because football's been a massive part of my life, as you boys know, right? I live and breathe the bloody sport, you know? Um, and I want to go and watch a game of football and watch a, I reiterate, I want to go and watch a fo- game of football and watch the best team win. If the Arsenal get beat, I want to come out of that ground saying, Jesus Christ, the Arsenal tried their nuts off tonight, but the other side was just too good. And we lost because they played better football. And vice versa, if I go and watch the Arsenal win, I want to say the Arsenal won that game and they won that game because, by God, we played well. But now, it seems to me, it doesn't matter how well or how bad you play, these these officials are going to stick their oar in and they're going to have a word and they're going to change the outlook of a game. And... It's, it's upsetting. It upsets me. And I know I'm a big old softy, but it, it really does upset me. And I, I just want to see it ended. I want to f- see what it... I want someone who's much higher profile than me. There has been the odd one, don't get me wrong. But I want people that are much higher profile than me. I want these pundits on the telly. I don't want them sitting there making jokes about it. I want them standing up and being counted. I want them standing up and saying, look, that was absolute rubbish. There's something not right. But they're not doing it. For some reason, and I don't know why, it's horrible. I don't think it's so much about VAR intervening. I, I think for me, it comes down to ownership as well as consistency. And in that, it should be either or the referee or the VAR that takes ownership of decisions. But at the minute, you've got referees that are scared to make a decision on field because they feel like, oh, VAR will pick it up. And then VAR come out and say, oh, it wasn't clear enough for us, we can't intervene. But someone has to be there to make the right decision. and. The only person who should be making that decision is the on-field referee. And he should be... I, I, I agree, but it has to be someone. Yeah, you know, yeah. and whoever it is, like someone has to take ownership. And, and I agree, for me, it should be the referee. But instead, we're talking about, you know, you look at the game yesterday for Man City and Chelsea, and you look at last week's game, Chelsea and, and Spurs. Two very, very good games. But <laughs> Sorry, Melbourne, he doesn't celebrate a goal until he gets an email. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, gone, done. But no, like, you look at those two games, two brilliant games. Yet we're still talking about VAR. And in fact, if, if you look at the Spurs Chelsea game, there was red cards, there was penalties, there was goals, there was goals disallowed. All of that was fantastic without VAR. In fact, VAR 
in my opinion, got a few things wrong. But take that out of it. We've got a fantastic game and we've got a fantastic mm. sport. And, and and exactly what Trev said is that, that it's starting to ruin the game and the focus is being there on decisions. And I, I genuinely believe that there is a part of it that is making it into a theatre that can be seen as a global game and adds drama to the game instead of focusing on the quality of the game and, and the events that happen on the pitch. James, you got a good point on there. When you watch a good game of football, you don't even notice the referee uh, and why is VAR getting involved. You know, when you watch Champions League football uh, and even to experience it when you're in the in the stadium, you don't even notice VAR um, because it all goes on so seamlessly behind there. The automated um, offside rules, which takes an awful lot of that crap out of the way. Um, and everything's done. There's no VAR signs up very often. Um, they're not put up every five or six minutes on there. It, it does feel a more an entertainment show for sure. Let's move on to the rest of the game. So it took us 45, 46 minutes uh, to uh, to break to break Burnley down. And eventually it came to that man we talked about earlier, uh, Trossard. Trossard comes in, really, really good header, um, proper, proper, like, you know, fighting him. But he was left injured uh, and we thought we mightn't see him again. I thought he had done his shoulder or his collarbone when I first saw it. Uh, ended up he had banged his uh, forearm on the, the, the upright. Trevor, uh, what did you make of the goal? Yeah, I was waiting for it to cut. I thought we were I thought we were playing that well and we were that much on top. It was just a matter of time that the book the goal came. And uh, I thought we'd score a bit earlier actually, but uh, we had to wait till the very end of the first half, didn't we? And just what I was talking about earlier, Trossard just showed why I like him playing through the middle. If he had another six inches height on him and another couple of stone, then I'd want him through the middle every week. But he's not quite carrying that weight. But he showed that he's he's willing to put his neck on the line because he could see the post coming, but he still put it in the net. And uh, I was very happy with him. And I was even happier, bearing in mind our injury situation, when he came back on the field again because I thought, oh, we can't afford to lose another one, you know. So, um. Yeah, he's done really well. Brave lad. For for me, if I've got to choose a number nine from what we've got, from what he's showing, he'd get a run for me. Dan, Gilberto Silva in August uh, 2006 scored the first goal against Aston Villa on that evening. Uh, Trossard was the one who scored the thousandth goal at the Emirates Stadium. And funnily enough, in the dugout, Mikel Arteta uh, against um, Anderlecht. In 2009, scored the 500th goal. What did you make of the 1,000th goal at uh, the Emirates Stadium? Just to confirm, that's Arsenal's 1,000th goal, right? Not the 1,000th yes. goal. No, Arsenal's 1,000th goal. I was going to say, I don't know how many goals were actually on in the stadium. That would be quite interesting to find out. Because I think the first goal was actually Aston Villa, wasn't it? If I remember right. Yeah, I just told you it was uh, Gilberto Silva against Aston yeah, but he Villa. Didn't, he got our first goal, but I think the first goal at the Emirates was from a Villa player. Yes, I uh, can't remember his name. Uh, I think he was, we I think it was Scandi as well. Oh, I think he might have been actually. Can't think of his name. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's flying by, isn't it, really? You think the time at the Emirates, 2006 to now, doesn't feel mm. like we've been there that, that length of time, which is quite scary. But it's um, we're starting to settle in, I think, at the Emirates. We're starting to make the Emirates more of our home. Uh, and it will take many, many years to get anywhere near to Highbury or if we ever do get near to Highbury. Um, but yeah, we're, start, we're starting to make it a home. We're starting to make it a fortress and we're starting to have a fear factor when teams come to the Emirates. And and you can see a game like Burnley now where we are very, very comfortable making four or five changes to that team, whether it's injuries or rotations or whatever it is. And and yeah, we're, we're quite clearly the, the dominant side against 
99 percent of teams that play there so it was it was actually quite a weird a weird goal in the stadium i mean it was a very muted stadium on that day anyway but i stood next to james and for a couple of minutes didn't even know if there was a goal or not i just expected for some reason it to be ruled out or or not given obviously we're so far away from that goal where, where we sit in the corner that i wasn't even really sure it was a goal mm. uh, it was um uh olaf malberg for villa that scored the very first goal at the emirates uh i, I was right in saying he was a it was a scandy uh guy with a name yeah. like that he's not yeah was he norwegian swede swede Swedish. swede yeah um alex what, what was your thoughts on the goal and and listen what was your favorite of the thousand goals that you've seen oh that's a difficult one um the f- the first one that springs to mind uh mind is uh Henri's goal when he returned um against leeds in the cup um i remember just getting emotional when i saw it um i wasn't in the stadium but i watched it on the telly um but that's probably my favorite goal um yeah, him scoring, coming back, uh, scoring the winning goal as well. Um, otherwise, I'll have to say it's probably that and then the Ashavan goal against Barcelona, Barcelona in the Champions League. Um, that was yeah, that was just a crazy moment as well. But there's been so many good goals and so many good moments as well. Mm. Um, Trossard came back on, as you said, for the second half, uh, Trevor, and then we got to 50, uh, 53 minutes and Brownhill broke through. I think there's the Brownhill one uh, where he breaks through and uh, he scores to make it 1-1 against, uh, slightly against the run of play. Um, what, did, uh, what did you make of Burnley's performance, uh, Trev? Because I have to credit them that the Burnley of old and the Sean Dyche were always hard to break down. They were like that Sam Allardyce type team. And they actually tried to play a bit of football. And, you know, they, they played decent football. Um, you know, I think it'll be their downfall, to be honest. But I thought they played really good football. What did you make of their performance? Yeah, I thought they came to play a bit. They came to put in a big effort for their manager. I thought they put in a better show than than Sheffield United did. Um, but I, I still thought you could see quite clearly that the bet, we were the better side. And that goal from Burnley caught me on the op, actually. I, I didn't see it coming in the slices. But it was one of those games where I still thought, well, actually, I knew we'd win. I, in my head, I still knew we'd get more goals and win the game because um, it was it was completely against the run of play. But Birmingham didn't lay down, did they? They, they, they pressed quite well. and Birmingham? Their energy levels were high, Burnley, and uh, they, just that they the players weren't as good as the Arsenal players. It's as simple as that. What did you say? You said Birmingham. You, you've been hanging around me too long, haven't you? Never in a million years <laughs> did I say Birmingham. Burnley. 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 Okay. Okay. We 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 won't argue with them. Um, we didn't take long there, Dan, till Saliba uh, got his head on this and he got his, um, um, his first goal uh, this season for, for Arsenal uh, on the 56th minute. Uh, really well worked. Uh, and then not long after that, um, we had Zinchenko's goal. Um, Saliba, uh, again, Rolls-Royce of a player, had a, an outstanding performance again um, on on Saturday. Um, what should you make of the goal uh, there as well, Mike? It's surprising seeing how our set-piece record is still what's scoring goals and how good it is because it's not something that you'd uh, sort of link with, with the Arsenal of old. So, for, for me, a set-piece goal is always a bonus and it's not something that, you, that, that I expect and, and the way we play. So, when when we get them, 
it massively takes the pressure off of scoring an open play. So it's it's good to see. It's good to see that the set piece coach is is hopefully it's working. Um, I thought it was poor defending from from Burnley, and and as you said, not what you expect from a a Burnley side that was sort of you know under under Sean Dykes it would have never have happened like that. But um, we need to be able to do that at times when when you know we need to get a goal and set piece goals. But for me, it's, it's the response again is is the biggest thing there that. They, they level up. There's people in the stadium saying, oh, this is going to be a slip up. And just before it starts to turn a bit sour and the fans get on people's backs again, we just, you know, we turn it around, we score quickly. And, and we did that last year an awful lot at home that we scored straight after conceding. And um, yeah, long may it continue because that will help us definitely push towards the title. I mean, the only thing that is different from last year is when we conceded last year, the crowd there was a roar and there was a surge from the from the crowd. That doesn't seem to be there as much. I, I was listening uh, on TV like you, Alex, and the atmosphere was a little bit flat. I heard what you what you think of Tottenham uh, a couple of times and uh, Tottenham get battered. Yeah, okay, Tottenham had just lost uh, a one goal lead in the last seven minutes of um, of injury time, which which was absolutely beautiful, but. Yeah, it needs to be a bit better. And did you notice, Alex, um, the Ashburton Army, there, was, there were only about 25 or 30 of them uh, on the telly. Um, it just seemed yeah. low. Uh, it did seem low. What did you make of Saliba's uh, goal? And then Zinchenko um, scores uh, a wonder goal. And we'll put that up in a second. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Dan. It was very important that we um, that we got back straight away, uh, got a goal back straight away. Um, we've seen many times before how, how difficult it can get uh, the longer the games get on. Um They'd probably sit back more and more, and um, yeah, the pressure just adds as as time goes on. So important that we got the goal back straight away, uh, and yeah, nice to see that we can score ag- again from set pieces. Um, the Zinchenko goal again came from a set piece. We all, almost scored straight from the corner. I think it 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 hit the bar. Um, I can't remember if it was Saliba again, um, but then uh, he's there, Zinchenko to follow up. Uh, yeah, it looks like it was Saliba comes out to Sinchenko and he, I don't know, karate kicks it uh, into the top corner. Um, brilliant goal um, and kind of sealed the game off for us um, until something else happened a bit later, which we'll get into. Um, but yeah, for me, that was the three points locked in and what we needed to seal the game off. Dan, wasn't it really good? Uh, you know, normally against sides like Burnley, it's normally physical and they're always trying to get us on set pieces. And, you know, we play this beautiful touchy-touchy Wenger ball, Arteta ball, whatever, definitely a, a Wenger ball. Yet again, you know, the, we got a, a scrappy header at the end of the first half and then two set pieces from Trossard. I criticised last week for not getting past the first post. But this time he followed Declan Rice's uh, instruction to the T and put the ball right on that 50p piece that, that Rice asked him to put it on. It was really, really good to see us getting those set pieces goal, don't you think? A lot of people forget that, that that's that's the Arsenal of old. You know, we've not been we've not always been this tippy tappy side. We we became that side pretty much from when we moved to the Emirates when we had a different profile of player. But the invincible side and, and the side when you know when Wenger took over and it was always a big physical side that could play and was an attacking side. And, and you know, the, the invincible side was a very good attacking side, but it was a big side and it was it was full of leaders and full of, of you know, using that term proper men that, that played on the pitch. And, and and I think we've got that back in our side now. You look you look at our side from one to eleven that starts, we've got some big, big players in there now. And um it's 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 what top teams have. The the Man City side 
are a lot bigger and stronger than people people believe that the Chelsea side the last you know 10 years that, that have won the league was a big physical side Man United was the same and that that's an attribute that you have to have if you're going to win the league mm. yeah no I agree agree uh, Trevor um we went then went on to uh Vieira he we came he came on for Havertz on the 58th minute he wasn't that long on the pitch I think it was about 20 minutes on the pitch and uh yeah he saw red um how did you see it when you saw it first? And we'll play it in a second. How did you see it when, when you saw it first? Well, when I first saw it, I thought, well, I'm not sure about that. And when I watched it back, I thought, well, yeah, what is coming to consistency again? His boot, his boot was up, right? And and you, you look at it and you think, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a booking. There's been worse ones that haven't been given. Once again, consistency. But looking at that instance, for me, that's ascending. You know, he's gone over the ball. He's not meant it, but that doesn't matter. He could cause serious injury. So I think he was. it was right for him for him to go. You know, we've got to hold our hands up. And I thought that Arteta's comments about it in the aftermatch interview were absolutely superb. Absolutely mm. superb. The way he turned that interview around at the end and made sure that he got a mention in about the referee, the decision and the VAR. Um, I just can't get out of me at a second. Just going back one step, further, as I do. You know I do. I'm sorry. Yeah, so we, mentioned, we mentioned Wenger ball and we mentioned Arteta ball. Well, for me, the difference is against Burnley. For me, the difference is, and Dan mentioned about the set piece, is that at the end of Wenger's reign, we didn't have a plan B. If tippy-tappy didn't work, we got bullied and we lost games. But under Arteta, we're playing we're playing the short passes. We're trying to work the ball short and, and make these little triangles. But we've also got players of a size that if we have to go to plan B, we can score goals from set pieces and we're not going to get bullied off the ball. So, you know, the, for me, coming under Arteta, it's lovely to watch that. But it's moved on a bit. There is a plan B there and I like to see that. Yeah, but, I think uh, Arteta has, has built a team... Probably uh, with the like the Pep uh, City type, uh, the Wenger type ball, but also he's he's got some stature in the players. All the players are much much bigger, not the small players that Wenger went, and more the invincible size of players. When you see, like, you don't realize how big uh, Kai Havertz is and how big Saliba is until you actually see them in the flesh. I, I watch. Uh, they were talking about. I can't remember what player they were talking about. It wasn't even an Arsenal player uh, on some radio show doing a quiz. How how tall is he? And um, they went, oh, he's about 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, and I thought, well, yeah, if you've seen him a lot on TV, that's about right. But I had seen him only a few weeks ago at the, at the Arsenal. And he was actually six foot two, And you, you just don't realise how big these players are. And, and the Arsenal squad is is just monstrous at the minute, Dan, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, just just looking at James's comment, I think we, we no, we're not digging out Wenger by any means, um, not at all. In fact, you know, it could it couldn't be the complete opposite of, of a man that's done so much for the club. So uh, it will never ever be in in you know Wenger bashing like like some people do for on on here. But it's it's a very different it's a very different approach, I think, from from Arteta to Wenger. You know, Wenger did have, in my opinion, towards the end of his reign, a very sort of focused view on what he wanted and how he wanted to play and. And like you said, didn't have a plan B. Whereas I think Arteta has a basis of you must control, you must dominate. And there's different ways of dominating. You can dominate physicality as well. And and he always mentions about winning duels. And if you're going to win a duel, you have to you have to have that physicality about you and, and be athletic. So 
but we've yeah we've got so many so many big players in our squad now that's it's a a good attribute mm. to have if we need to mix it up absolutely and, uh, oh, this is an interesting question from melvin mate what do you make of that it's an interesting question you know um, it, it's inter- it gives us the option to play him in midfield. I was talking to somebody, I don't know if it was in, in one of our WhatsApp groups or somebody was talking to me and, and they were saying, oh, we could possibly push Zinni into the midfield. But because you've got Tomiyasu and Zinni and, and, and no real cover there, he probably wouldn't want to risk him, especially if Ben White uh, is out. So I, I think when you've got more cover, then that will give the option for Zinchenko to maybe to play in that role and then leave Rice in the proper six. That lets party... Uh, depart and and you know Zinni could play that role between you know midfield to to forward lines. You know it just shows how football is evolving, evolving. And I know we talked about Wenger uh, a minute ago, but football has changed an awful lot, even in in the five or six years. Uh, well, was it 2018? So what we've got, uh, yes, about five years it will be um, since since um, since Wenger left. Alex, um, the last couple of things that I want to talk to was six added minutes, and in that six added minutes, Jorginho took a really bad injury. I don't know if you could hear it on TV when you were you watching it uh, when you, you watched it back, but it was hell of a. I thought the hybrid screamer was back. <laughs> yeah, it looked quite nasty, um, and there was uh, a lot of bleeding as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean. Hopefully he'll be all right. I think we really need this international break. Um, we've got a lot of knocks uh, in our players and a lot of players who are you know, nearly getting back. Um, so I think it's a well-needed uh, international break, uh, not only for Dan, but also for our players. <laughs> I was um, thinking that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hopefully we'll have both Jesus, even though he's, he's of course, gone to Brazil uh, with the squad because apparently they wanted to assess him as well um, but hopefully he'll be back Odegaard will be back um, Ben White probably will be back um, and yeah and then we're nearing a Timber return as well I don't know how, how soon he'll be back um, hopefully we'll I, I heard it was March but I've heard the earliest is, is January as well yeah I think um, we definitely don't want to rush him uh, in into the team but I think we, yeah, we might see him February, March, sometime. I think he's um, he's probably going to surprise us with how soon he'll be back because usually ACLs or what we used to see was, a, yeah, I think it was Salibas actually who um, who split Jorginho's head open. Uh, but usually ACLs they're they're a year or ten months. But apparently they've done some new treatment which should speed up the process. Um, so it'll be good to have him back. Um, yeah, um, nice going into the break with momentum as well and um, getting some of the other fixtures going our way. Uh, City dropping points, Tottenham as well. Um, so, yeah, I think we're in a very good place at the moment. Um, top of the Champions League group, we've played some difficult opponents and still we're only a, a point behind um, the first place. So I think we've had high expectations this season and for some people, I think maybe we've disappointed, but... For me, I think we're in a very good position going into this um, international break. Yeah. El Nenny was going to come on and then wasn't going to come on and then was going to come on and then wasn't going to come on and then he wasn't going to come on and then he decided, oh, are you going to blow the whistle? Yeah, I think we'll blow the whistle. And <laughs> El Nenny didn't get, uh, didn't get an appearance. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that was just the fun and games that was having, we're having off off on the side of the pitch. It carried on into the media room. Arteta was in a jovial mood. And, uh, yeah, he just had a little bit of... Playing in 72 hours uh, with the last three games. 
how we play against Newcastle, how we play against Seville, how we play today, how dominant we were against a team that is very difficult to dominate uh, the amount of situation that we generated. I think we fully deserve to, to win the game. And with the red card, yes, thank you for asking me. VAR was right, the referee was right. Really good decision, really positive from Mikel to speak about that. Yeah, good decision. Dan, it's good you, for him. Just... I love he speaks on, about himself in third, third person. Yeah, he's that important. He's that important. <laughs> Dan, uh, I know you're sending your liver to um, uh, uh, Dubai for for uh, the international break. You're staying here, um, you know, for some treatment in 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 Brentwood. But uh, what did you make of Arteta's jovial mood? And just take the piss out of the journalists, really. My uh, my liver's in in recovery, as is my vocal cords and and the rest of my my body. But to answer James's question first, will Dan be back? Dan would always be back because Dan would always be a positive fan that supports his club that he loves. So that's never going to change. Um, no matter how many people want to moan, I'm just having a little break because I need a bit of downtime. Like like every player, like Saka's picked up knocks along the way. I've had knocks over the last two years. And Don't compare yourself to Saka. I need, I need, I need a rest. No, I can't compare myself to Saka because I'm even more... And, and don't speak about yourself in the third person because Dan needs a break and Dan, the, Trevor, he's, he's, he's getting really above his station. He gets a cap with his ginger hair and a flag. What's he like, Trev? Mikel's, Mikel's uh, picked up on the way I address the media. So uh, it's good to see Mikel pick up on my, on my habits too yeah it is it is trevor i love what dan does i love what dan does and hopefully he'll be back what's the next game brentford away isn't it so it is yeah i'll game at brentford away but imagine imagine if we get to the last seven or eight games of the season and we're up there right in with a shout then he brings um timber back into the side what a boost that'll be hey what a boost that'll be unbelievable it will it will um, it's um, we talked about the international break, so I'm just trying to get a um, something up here. One second, I'll see if I can get this up here. No, that's not it. Oh, stop it, will you? I'll have to put you on mute. Uh, one thing that's happening in this international break, Guns and Yellow Ribbons uh, becomes uh, six years old on the 15th of November. Our very first podcast was an audio one. If you do want to listen to it, go on to SoundCloud or Spotify or wherever you get your audios and you'll hear it. It's absolutely shocking. I am so drunk and, <laughs> and the audio is is absolutely awful. But hey, listen, it's ended up where we are here now. And uh, I thank everybody who uh, watches and subscribes uh, to us. Uh, this is from Zinni to you, uh, to everybody from Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Um, okay. Trev, how long have you been doing it now? don't know. I wasn't there for the start. I joined it when we were still doing just the audio ones. That was my first one. Um, and I, I've, I've, I was very nervous and I've loved it ever since. And I've, I'll be forever grateful for you. Keep inviting me on here, Fergus, my old mate. I, I, I get a bit too passionate sometimes. I talk a lot of old ball crap sometimes, but at the end of the day, I'm 61 years of Arsenal, you know, and and that's how I am, mate. Mm. Can I just can I just stick change the subject completely, right? Because we mentioned it earlier, right? And I'm going to just stick one out there now, right? I can see the lad has got ability, and I can see the lad's trying, right? But I'm really, really ready for a big game from Kai Havertz. I'm really ready to watch him play a game and think he changed that game. 
is that good i think it's got to come i'm sure it'll come soon but i'm ready for it to come you know he you can see the boy there's something going on in his head at the moment where he's, he's maybe at 95 percent and i just want to see him drop all his inhibitions and play the football i know he can play i'm ready for him to play a oh, really big I, game i, agree, I do trev. hope you're right trev i i agree but i don't know i, I, I just have to wait I and see like I, I, he he almost did it uh, against Seville, where he just um, nearly curled one into the corner, and I I nearly thought, oh, this is going to be the moment, and then it just passed the post. But he's putting up like decent performances. But I agree, like we paid a lot of money for him, and we all want want him to see like making that difference, um, and also scoring goals and assisting goals as well. Because to be fair, Shaka did that last season, and he's he is kind of playing his role. Um, yes. so I th oh yeah, I'd love to see him um, get a break. No negativity, be... lads. No negativity. Look no, it could be an it could be an expensive gamble, but look, if it pays off, as Alan said in the Champions League final, you know, he scored one of the most important goals in in Chelsea's history. Let him do it for us. A couple of other uh, topics um, that uh, were in the chat here: two from Pods and one from BX Gunner eighty one. The one I think we half touched on this uh, by Arteta's joviality uh, in his uh, um, uh, media conference afterwards. Uh, De Zerbi and Ten Hag, uh, they've all made comments. Um, it'll be just interesting to see um, how, uh, you know, it's interesting how they've been perceived in comparison to um, Arteta after Newcastle. It seems like, you know, people were a bit perplexed about De Zerbe's, but uh, Ten Hag can get away with it. Um, Dan, your view on, on that? I mean, Ten Hag's a clown and... Deserby's a media darling, so I'm not surprised that they get away with it and they're not Arsenal managers. There's no explanation. There's no explanation at all. I, I, think, I, I, literally, I don't even know what else to say on that, to be honest with you. I, I don't understand the agenda. why. Like, it, it's been like that from the start with Richard Keyes and the way he jumped on Arteta's back for being on a touchline. And it's just, it's needlessly sort of nitpicking at anything that's Arsenal related. But, you know, as, as they say, let them all hate us. Let it make us stronger and make it even sweeter when we win. Yeah. Um, uh, BX Gunner 88 asks, asks um, is the club restricting Ashburton Army in any way? Yes, um, they are. Uh, they used to be given about 100, 120 tickets um, previously, um, which they were allocated via Jack and Lewis. And, and, and I can't remember who the third guy, but they used to organise uh, it via them. Um, a, a lady who come in and is our commercial uh, strategy uh, person uh, decided that she likes Ascot better than um, Ashburton Armies. So oh, but, but, she, but, 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 club shop sales are up, mate. A club shop, yeah, 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 yeah. So, brilliant. You know what? They just they missed a trick by not having half and half scarves themselves, though, haven't they? So because that's where they would have got even more money. I'll tell you um, what, we could get yeah. half and half shirts. Arsenal and Spurs, they would love to wear those, wouldn't they? Duff lad. <laughs> I think I'd rip it off if I saw what I'm Don't even that. mention it, Dan. I think I'd, I'd rip the shirt off. I, uh, mate, I, I, I saw that. that, that well, I, I did have a few beers with me when I saw that, those with um, Man City and um, Man City and, and Arsenal uh, scarves. I found it quite offensive. But when I did see on the day of the Tottenham game, I didn't get involved on the day of the Tottenham game. I did on the City game uh, with people with half and half Tottenham. Uh, scarves. I, I I didn't get involved because I knew if I got involved, 
I'd probably get chucked out and lose my season ticket. So I didn't I want to say that. They found you offensive, Ferg, as well, to be honest with you, mate. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's part, that's part <laughs> that's of the course. Standard. Hey, yeah. Listen, la- la- last thing to say is what a great weekend. Before we go into, into a very good uh, point, uh, from uh, I think it was 2 2 at half time. It was 2 0 at half time, Ferg. 2 0 at half time. 2 0 at half time. Yeah, and it finished against Leicester, ladies at at uh, Leicester, six-two uh, to the Arsenal. So well done, girls. Well done for that. Uh, uh, yeah. Really, really a nice way to finish it off. It has, Trev- said, it has to be said, mate, that we don't mention the ladies a lot on here. But having said that, I, I can't get to watch the ladies as well as everything else, so I'm not really qualified to give an opinion. And if I gave an opinion, it probably wouldn't be the right one. So, but there are some great outlets out there now, social media outlets out there now that solely concentrate on Arsenal ladies and they're well worth a watch because they know what they're talking about and the ladies and the ladies do really well so good luck to them and well played girls Ferg you've got to play that video now mate because I want to no, I know it. play it play, you, I'm ready. You, play it play it you're chopping out of it so oh. so um I was watching Instagram um the other week and uh I saw this little video of a, a young lad he's probably about seven or eight and he's gone to his first uh, Arsenal game, and his dad made a lovely, lovely video of it. I'm going to play this for you guys. Uh, it's young Alfie and his dad, Nick Preston. For a couple, forget your troubles for a while. From the full nil to the hemi, all the faces are the same. Because the manner might be changing, but the people still remain. What an absolutely beautiful video. Nick, thank you very much for letting us play that. Um, and Alfie, I'm glad you enjoyed your first game. Trevor, yours was back in 1970. Mine was in, well, it was much later, it was 1999. Um, but I do remember that first day when I went out and I saw from the North Bank and I looked down, um, no, it was actually the West End, and I looked onto um, the Green Bays. It looked like a snooker table. That was the football pitch. It's just Unreal. The pitches probably weren't the same in the 70s, Trev. They were probably a little bit muddier and rougher. Yeah, they started off all right, but they tended to deteriorate pretty quickly. But that just melts me, a video like that. You know, little Alfie, the club needs to take massive notice of the fact that they can do all they want about the corporate. They can take tickets away from Ashburton Army. They They can make ballots that are nearly impossible for very loyal fans to get tickets. By the end of the day, the club needs to remember what it's all about. And it's all about just blokes like us. And blokes like us started with days like Alfie had there. You know, Alfie there, he, he had it's his first time. As you said, Ferg, he's going to remember it. He's going to remember every second of that day. And, and he's lucky because he's got videos. When I was young, we didn't even have a black and white photo, you know. But and he'll remember it and he'll look back on it and... And poor old Alfie, if you if you're listening or looking, son, you're gonna suffer because you're now gonna support the Arsenal. We we go through hell and high water, Alfie. But the thing is, Alfie, you'll you'll be going to the games for the next 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, you know. And the Arsenal Football Club need to remember that young Alfie, you're what it's all about, mate. 
you're what football's all about. And uh, welcome to the family, son. Welcome to the family. Welcome, Alfie. Yeah, Dan, do you remember your first game? I do, actually. 2004, East End Upper at Highbury. I think it was Martin Keown's testimonial, actually, was the first one I went to, actually, in the, in the stadium. And what's the very first sort of image that you remember from our smell sensation that you remember from football? The first one I remember is um, years and years before that. I remember my granddad taking me to Highbury and he put me on his shoulders and I looked over what was the the gates at that point and you can see the pitch. And I just remember looking over and just 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 seeing how big the stadium looked at that point, even though it was a smaller stadium than than what they are now. And um, just seeing the pitch and as you said, look looked like a looks like a carpet and yeah, just um, something that you that never seen before. And uh, it just yeah, it looked so it looked like a different world. Mm. Alex, easily, exactly. Yeah, it's it's special. I remember I went to Highbury. I think it was must have been two thousand and five. Um, and yeah, just seeing it being outside. I'm happy I got to see it before um it got taken down. And yeah, of course I I went with my grandpa. Um, and he told me I didn't know actually, but his first game was um in nineteen fifty one. Um. Wow against Rangers. Trevor, Trevor, um, Trevor was in the 60s then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his first game was, uh, it was a friendly um, against Rangers. Um, so yeah, he's been going for ages as well. And um, shout out to Big T as well. He took his uh, boy for his first game that I think it was this weekend. And yeah, just the joy on, on his face. You can see it in the pictures. Um, it's just what it's all about. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't put him on his shoulders, otherwise he wouldn't see nothing. He his head be in the clouds if he was on <laughs> yeah. uh, big T shoulders. The film Fever Pitch. We all love Fever Pitch because we're yeah. awesome. Nick Hornby. But he sums up that part of a fan's timeline perfectly because that bloke almost drags his son to that first Arsenal game. He almost drags him there. And as you said it earlier, Ferg, as soon as he walks up and he sees that green. And that stands, bang, he's hooked. He's just like that. He's hooked. And we yeah. all are. And it don't. It never goes away. Even when you're an old beggar like me, it still don't go away. You know, you, you're stuck with it for life, you know. God, I love it. Oh, I, I, mean, love it. I was just about to say, Trevor, about how it never changes. And I remember, like, a few years ago, I took my nan to the North London derby. And... Um, yeah, I think she was yeah. probably shouting, shouting as loud as I was. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, it never leaves you. No, never lose. Brad, Brad, Bradford City was my first game, um, uh, August 1999. Uh, but I, you know what? I, I do remember because I lived local, but I do remember the first time I uh, came in. It would have been probably when I had my season ticket when I came in by tube and I came out of the Arsenal station. And as I came up that funny, like, hill sort of thing with the, the segregated area. As I got closer and closer where the ticket barrier is, I could smell the sweaty onions and shitty burgers. And it was just yep. like, it's football. It's just, yeah. Yeah, it's just unreal. It is that smell unreal. of onions. Yeah, it is. It burgers and changes after shape since. No, I haven't. No, 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 no. Thank you. I was waiting for that. I'm waiting for that. It's great to see all you other guys in the chat um, uh, saying what your first game was. Um, look, if you like what we do, go over to YouTube, click on like, um, subscribe. Uh, I think we're up to 952 subscribers, so we're getting there. We'd love to get to that thousand mark if you can do. Brilliant. You have been watching um, the sixth 
um, sixth uh, birthday uh, podcast of Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Thank you, lads. Thank you, everybody in the chat. Up the Arsenal. Fuck the Spurs. Thanks for listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons or Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too. Up the Arsenal.